As the road to WrestleMania heads down under this weekend, we're back with your one-stop shop for all your wrestling needs. Predictions, pontifications, and loads of pointless opinions all honed into one perfect podcast product. I'm Jack Murley, professional broadcaster, alongside professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. How goes it, Mr. Beckett? Very well, thank you. I didn't realise we were doing alliteration this morning, otherwise I would have prepared something, but I've got nothing. I've got nothing to make me look as smart as you, Mr. Murley, I'm afraid. I know, this is why I do my bit of the podcast. A little bit of prep goes a long way. It is um, it is almost Elimination Chamber. Very exciting. Once we're past that, the road to WrestleMania stretches out ahead of us. There is only one place to go, and that is Pennsylvania. Um, How are you feeling about the Chamber this weekend? It's on at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. That is glorious. That is the most Perfect timing. I've got a game on Friday night this weekend. So I wake up feeling a little bit battered, a little bit bruised. I'm making some breakfast, make a coffee, and then watch probably about three and a half hours of Chamber. And that is, oh, it's glorious. So I'm very, very excited from that point of view. And I'm really quite enjoying the sadistic side of me, seeing a lot of Americans online complaining about the start time. Now you know. It is lovely to think that by the time Chamber finishes at about one, half one, I got, I got the whole afternoon, I can do whatever, I can go to the gym, I can go for a walk, I can do whatever I want. Just, this is how it should be, America. I think all the pay-per-views should be in Australia. It works perfectly for us. Australia or the UK, they are the two places that um, any uh, pay-per-views are allowed from now on, according to this podcast. Yeah, I reckon so. Right, let's get into it. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on the socials. I'm Jack underscore Merley. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And we thank you for already doing it. Let's take ourselves back to Friday Night Smackdown. That's where we're going to start today, because if there was any doubt, any doubt about whether The Rock was a heel or not, Friday Smackdown put that to bed. The Great One appeared in classic bad guy rock garb, cut a blistering promo on a sold-out crowd in Utah, and ended by declaring himself a part of the bloodline. First heel promo in more than two decades, Charlie. What did you think of it? This was so much fun. So, so much fun. And you can see how much fun The Rock's having with it. Like, there's um, little clips from fan cameras of him smiling in between talking the crowd down. Like, this is... This is going to be the most fun and the most inventive he's been able to be with his um, WWE run, with his uh, kayfabe persona for a long, long time. And it's we, we talk a lot on this podcast about the best way to use legends coming back. And actually, this is a inventive and new and fresh way. And we saw it with Trish uh, in the summer of last year when you use a, a legend coming back as a heel, something we hadn't really seen before, and it worked really well. And like I said, on the past two weeks, the past two podcasts, I very much doubt this was the plan, but I think this is going to be excellent. And it set the scene very, very, uh, very clearly, didn't it? The Rock is aligning himself with Roman Reigns to be a part of the line and to fight Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania. Or is he, from some of the theories online that I know we're going to get into. So that's the other beautiful thing, is it's already leading to conversations and thoughts and questions over what happens next. And I do think this eventually leads to and builds to Rock versus Roman at the next WrestleMania. I think that's really exciting for all of us as well. I completely agree. Uh, he was having fun. And everyone always says, from what you hear in wrestling, being a babyface is good. Being a heel is fun. It's fun to go out there and lay into those fans. And you better believe, I think, for The Rock, he's so much of a pro, it's not going to be keeping him up at night. But I reckon there's a lot of meat in those promos where he where he says, you really want to boo The Rock? 
because the fans made this happen. This wasn't The Rock coming back and saying, I'll turn, it'll be fine. He got there eventually, but the fans made him bad. And you know he's just going to say, right, you want me to be bad? I'll show you how bad I can be. Yeah, it's better the devil you know, isn't it? And actually, The Rock's kind of saying, you knew what you were getting with me versus Roman. It would have been excellent. This is the main event you wanted for years and years and years. And now, because someone else has come along and someone's been around for two years, you want them. So you had your chance to have it and you've blown it. And now you're getting me tearing you down and being awful instead. I think it's been, yeah, really, really well handled by WWE, by The Rock, by everyone involved. And now I'm massively excited for the next four, five, six weeks and this build to will be a huge, huge WrestleMania main event. It can only go up from here and it's already at, at, at a really decent point and we're only in the early offing of this. I was surprised he conclusively and unreservedly declared himself in the bloodline. Like That just felt surreal. The bloodline, which we were saying maybe six, seven weeks ago, mm, this is running out of push, this is running out of steam. Well, the past seven days for WWE have been at let's re-establish the bloodline. And what better way to do it than throwing the, the great one, the rock, into it and him holding up the hands with Roman Reigns. I mean, that was quite a visual. Yeah, it's completely reignited it. And what's very clever about the bloodline and what is brilliant is, yes, it had gone stale. Yes, I was a bit bored of it. But because there is three years of history to go into there on just this bloodline story, when you go into the NOI family, there are tens of years of history to delve into, like we saw in that family tree at the press conference. So it's very, very easy, if done correctly, to heat this back up because there's so much interest for so long there. There has been so much interest for so long. And that's all they've done is they've rolled the rock in they started to allude to things that have happened in the past. We'll get on to Raw, I'm sure, but they've they've leaned into Jimmy and Jay again. You've got Solo taking out Cody with um, the Samoan Spike to cost him a match, which gives everyone flashbacks to WrestleMania last year. So they're being very clever and going, yes, they, they probably internally know they've let it go a bit stale, but they know how quickly they can heat it up. They do it the right way. And I, I think so far we're seeing it being heated back up the exact correct way to get us all interested and pique our interest come uh, come the start of April. And what's interesting is it's going to have to go another year. That's the main thing. Like, I, I remember Paul Heyman saying before the Cody Rhodes-Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania 39, I reckon we're in the third innings of this story. We've got another whole year to go, basically. And if what we're saying is going to happen, that we're going to get Rock and Roman at some point, maybe next year's WrestleMania, that's another year of the bloodline. That's one whole year, 365 days more of this bloodline story they've got to maintain. Do you reckon? I feel like they can do it now the Rock's back involved, but it's a long old stretch. Yeah, I think so. I think it's interesting. I think we all, all probably thought that Cody's story and the bloodline story were intertwined, but I think we're going to see Cody's story with the bloodline finish this year at WrestleMania. And the Bloodline story continue on to another chapter. And I'd be more worried if I hadn't seen WWE handle a year-long build to a WrestleMania main event well before. They did it from WrestleMania 27 to 28 with The Rock and Cena and The Rock not being around full-time. It might be harder if Roman and The Rock are both not around full-time, which you wouldn't expect either of them to be. But I, I, I trust this WWE. Like, I haven't got a reason not to at the moment, like, the one misstep I felt they made with The Rock coming into the main event to face Roman, they fixed very, very quickly. So at this moment in time, I have no reason to mistrust this WWE and their storytelling and their booking. So for that reason, I'm going to trust them. Yeah, I agree. Do you think 
that Roman gets overshadowed in any way. I don't, but I saw some people on social media saying, oh, The Rock coming out and cutting this promo overshadowed Roman. He was stood on the edge. And I was like, you know, sometimes where you go wrestling fans, just enjoy a good thing, let it play out. That was my feeling. But I did see some people say, well, he just stood on the side. He just let The Rock cut the main bulk of the promo. I, I, I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get that vibe at all. I, it, well, I guess it's a bit it's hard not to be overshadowed by, by The Rock. It's, it's yeah, The, the rock. rock. Yeah, The Rock very much took the main the main impetus, the main attention of that section. Of course he did. But it's almost the... The Rock's join at, at this moment in time. The Rock is joining his gang. Gang is the wrong word. His group, his his uh, his stable. That's as big a rub as you can get. Like you're not going to go in there with The Rock and tell him t- to be sh- to shut up, and you're going to talk over the top. And that's not how it works. You play to people's strengths. So, so yeah, he probably was overshadowed in this one promo segment. But then that makes him any less of a star. The rub is that his cousin. The Rock wants to join his side and come and fight with him and subscribes and buys into what he's doing. So if this is the how we build all the way to WrestleMania, we only hear The Rock talk and Roman does stand on the side, then then yes, there is an issue. But almost like maybe WWE are doing that on purpose to build a little bit of friction between the two of them and who the leader of the bloodline is. Wouldn't that be interesting to see over the next few weeks? Maybe we all just sit back and let it happen. That's what I think. I thought, blimey, okay, they've called an audible, they've corrected things give them just a bit of time to tell this story and actually I reckon they were laying some breadcrumbs for something down the line. Now some people speculating that if you look at what The Rock was doing he was laying out for a potential turn on Roman at Wrestlemania. He said I'll do whatever I can to make sure that you don't leave with the title and he was looking at Roman Reigns and he held up the bloodline um, finger but it was actually the shape of an L like loser. Um, I think that was interesting. I don't know if that's where they're going. I feel like if we're doing Rock versus Roman next year, I'd quite like face Roman by this point versus heel Rock. But, you know, I can see them leaving themselves some wiggle room to go the other way. Yeah, it's interesting. That's, there are a few ways I think they can get to Rock Roman next year. Uh, they could do it in a more subtle way of um, there being friction between them over the bloodline, something happens in the tag match, Rock maybe accidentally does something that helps Cody win the match. Or they go all out and literally have The Rock lay Roman out, have Solo or someone lay the ref out, and then The Rock lay Roman out. Like there's definitely that is one way you could absolutely get to Rock Roman, and the, the Rock comes out on the Monday after May and just gives his reasons of something about the way Roman's been doing it, has been disrespecting the family, etc., etc., etc. That probably leads you to get face rock versus heel Roman because I, I don't think anyone boos the person who costs Roman the title at this point. I think if you cost Roman the title, I think you're getting cheered whatever happens. Oh, I'm you... ready for him to lose the title, I think. Do you think so? I I think people turn. I think Rock gets, but not... I don't think Rock costs Roman the title. But I think what happens is Roman loses the title and then on the Raw after WrestleMania, The Rock lays Roman out and says, "You all the stuff you've just said there, you let down the family, yada, yada, yada. And I think that turns Roman face because I yeah, think you, I, I think I you think can do, do it in that way. I think doing it that way does. I think if Roman loses clean and then The Rock just lays him out the next day, like The Rock comes out almost... You start the product, you'll be like, give him the respect, like the respect you laid in our family having this long title reign... Uh, the elders uh, want me to send you a message. You think there's going to be something really nice, and he just rock bottoms him and absolutely destroys him. That keeps Rock heel, and, and 
Roman becomes sympathetic in the story and is the face of the story. I do believe that. If you do it at main year that Rock costs Roman the title, I absolutely think that turns Rock face. I think people won't like Rock being involved in that. I think, I think, it, I, I, you know, you said last week that fans don't want anything other than Cody beating Roman at WrestleMania for the title. I'd go even further. I don't think they want anything other than Cody beating Roman clean at the title. Like, this is, at, at anything, okay. yeah. Okay, I, I see that. If you want us to do that way, then you have The Rock take out Solo when Solo's coming in to do something. Like, Solo has, Solo has Cody prime for the Samoan spike, like last year, and The Rock just lays out him and Jimmy and just... And his argument is like you've got to do it clean to Roman or something. I don't know, but yeah, you could you could do it in a way that isn't The Rock laying hands on Roman, and maybe that keeps it less of The Rock turning face. But I think people just want that title off Roman now, and I think anyone who helps him in that point is uh, is going to be favoured by the fans. Option as well, we have Roman retain, and Cody Rhodes wins back to back to back rumbles and he really don't put that in the ether don't don't vocalize that you can't you can't you cannot rule it out after last year's wrestlemania you now cannot rule out anything but look back to the smackdown promo i think we both agreed really strong step in setting up a mission statement for why rock was doing what he was doing i don't think you could have done any better than that as as laying those building blocks no i thought it was as good a job as they could have done on friday night Talking Elimination Chamber a bit later, AEW Revolution as well, which is just a couple of weeks back. We're conscious uh, we've not spoken about Revolution and AEW that much over the past few weeks, so we will do a bit of AEW talk. But as Charlie's already mentioned, big developments on an absolutely loaded Monday Night Raw. Cody being pinned by Drew McIntyre, his first pinfall loss since WrestleMania, thanks to, yep, Solo Sokoa. And Jimmy Uso cost Jay his Intercontinental Championship shot against Gunther to heat up the Uso storyline. WWE is going big on these Raws as they head towards going to Netflix in October. Yeah, Raw is must, must, must watch at the moment. There is lots of storytelling happening. There's lots of great wrestling. Um, and week to week, it's probably the best wrestling show on television. I'd say it's probably better than SmackDown at the moment, but that's a big statement because they're both very good. But no, this was a particularly good roar, I thought, this week. Jimmy Uso finally decided, you know what? I've not caused my brother Jay enough trouble. And they are doing exactly what you said they'd be able to do, which is let's heat things up pre-mania. Jimmy comes across as a... I don't know quite how to say this. He just comes across as a unhinged in a lot of these things he do. You know, coming out, ringing the ring bell. Just he, He's got that sort of loose cannon vibe to him. Yeah, absolutely crazy in both a frenzied way and just a ridiculous way like doing unhinged is the best word for I think and now he's now cost Jay the universal the tag and the intercontinental titles in the last six months so like Jay Uso has to be his absolute last straw with his elder brother Jimmy right now and I love the um I love the line at the end where he just said doesn't matter how big you get I'll always be your bigger brother I just think I know you've been not too fussed on this I actually think they're going to heat this up over the next seven, eight weeks to be on fire by the time WrestleMania rolls around. I think this will just be a barbaric match where they're just going to absolutely batter each other. I think the the most exciting thing for me, sorry, is you go back a year ago or so and see them doing interviews and they said this is the match they always wanted. They want to have a singles match against each other at WrestleMania. So you know they're going to bring their absolute best for each other and then subsequently for us, the fans. I, I I want them to go full tilt with this. I want like Jimmy... 
to be getting his club card vouchers or Jay to be getting club card vouchers and Jimmy comes in and costs him the vouchers for that. I want like Jay to be reverse parking and Jimmy comes and takes the space. I want Jimmy to cost Jay everything good in his life. Do we need a stipulation on this? I feel like this match at Mania needs no DQ. I don't think it can just be a one-on-one -on -one match. I think it could have a stipulation. I think you could also make it just a savage, just wrestling match. Make it a fight almost rather than a wrestling match. Um, I think you can keep that between the ropes if you need to. I tell you what I think it needs. I think it needs an appearance from a very serious Rikishi. Mm. Not the Rikishi we're used to who's laughing and joking and fun. Just a very, very serious Rikishi being their dad, begging them not to fight each other. I think that adds a level of like him saying that them and their mother don't want to see them doing this. Like their brothers, their twins. I think I think you get the pop for Rikishi coming out. I think everyone expect Rikishi to come out in his sunglasses and do some dancing. I think if you saw a very serious, somber Rikishi, and that would give this a whole sort of feel of, oh, hang on, this is two twin brothers who now hate each other having a fight. Like this is we we get brother versus brother in wrestling quite often, uh, whether that's kayfabe brothers or real brothers. And we kind of just joke and laugh it off like, oh, brothers having a fight. But if in real life, if two brothers got to, who have been best mates and twins for this long got to the point where their only option was to genuinely try and kill each other in a fight, that's quite a severe thing to happen. I think when you have the rest of the family in the wrestling world to be able to help tell that story and lean into it, I think you should. Yeah, I agree. And it does tear families apart and you can get into that serious way of doing things. I I wouldn't mind a stipulation on it. I'm, was it Tribal Combat we saw at, at SummerSlam that really let us down because it wasn't really anything? Yes, it was exactly that. It didn't deliver where we thought it would. I think you could do a Tribal Combat that actually is what we think it should be. Like, I remember you said at the time, maybe you, you do some of some traditional... Uh, it, it's not the hacker, but you know what, what I'm talking about, sort of yes, yes, yes. that type of thing. Like, So I don't know, but I, I'm with you. I think that's going to be heated up well. And I like they gave it the main event slot because to give that the main event slot on a show where you also had Cody and Drew facing off shows, yeah, we're going to get behind it. And talking of Cody and Drew, Drew McIntyre hanging a first loss on Cody Road since WrestleMania 39, thanks to Solo Sokoa. Drew McIntyre is getting the big build here heading towards Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I thought this was excellent. It did a number of things, this um, this match. It builds Drew as main, main, main event level star to be the only other person to pin Cody. Since he's been back, only Roman Reigns and Cody Ro um, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre have pinned Cody Rhodes since he returned WWE two years ago. So that shows the level that Drew is at. And it also helped add to that uh, storyline of Cody can't kick out of the Samoan Spike. When Cody gets spiked, that is him done. And that is going to lead us to 100% of WrestleMania. He gets spiked and Roman pins him. And we're all petrified. And again, PTSD of last year. And I think he kicks out at the the closest of closest three counts, I think, is what happens. But I, I love that this this did multiple things, this story. It, it's I know it's wrestling. I know it's kayfabe. But you're a rugby player. How much damage can be done with a thumb? Like, of all of all the finishers for, for to take Cody down, like, if you hold your thumb up and you sort of just bang your... It can't do that much damage. True, but then when you tape it up like they do, it's basically, it's almost like you can do things to tape, but it almost becomes like paper mache and goes hard. And then, like, that would really hurt in your windpipe. 
paper mache to the windpipe, Charlie Beckett. Paper, ma- paper mache to the windpipe, one, two, three. Okay, you should. Is that why you tape up? Do you tape up? You I can't remember if you tape up your hands when you play. I do tape up my hands, yes, but not for that reason. Can you next time you're in a line out, just like hold up your thumb really high and do like the whole Samoan thing? That, that's what I'll do. I'll just stop. I'll just shout paper mache to the windpipe. Just do it. Um. Big, big vote of confidence for Drew, and it's coming into Elimination Chamber. We've already said 10 o'clock this Saturday, going to be lovely. Um, This card, as we mentioned last week, there ain't much on it, but what is there is excellent. Elimination Chamber, two of them, a tag title match, and Rhea Ripley versus Nia Jax. A Grayson Waller effect with Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes as well. Don't think there's actually much intrigue going into these matches at all, and I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I think we can probably predict who's going to win each one maybe the tag one is the only one you're not sure maybe i'll go with peter and tyler Bate, but you think they'd probably stay over the judgment day keep them strong heading into wrestlemania i think drew's gonna win the men's isn't he becky's gonna win the women's and oh my god could you imagine if rhea ripley lost like i mean that would kind of be the funniest thing to do having rhea ripley lose would kind of make me laugh but also be incredibly angry but we saw it in Cardiff, didn't we? We saw Drew McIntyre losing. Ah, I... oh, it's one thing to not win the title when you're challenging; it's another to lose it in one of the most powerful and um, dominant reigns in the history of women's wrestling. That's another thing altogether. In your home country, the first time they've been there in years. You're gonna have to have some close three counts. You're gonna have to do a quick one, two. Oh my God, she's gonna lose. I I am excited for this. I don't like Tyler Bate and uh, um, Pete Dunne's new name. I think it's like New Catch Republic. Or... I'm I'm ignoring it. What? Why, why can't... I'm not. I'm ignoring it. I will not reference that. Why can't Pete Dunne catch a break when it comes to names? Who's who's serious? Yeah, British Strong Style. That is what their tag team name is. And I don't care what name they've given them. It's stupid, and I won't. I won't refer to it. I I don't mind them ch- if they have to change it. But don't you, New Catch Republic. It's it's. It's like one of those, um, what is it, what three words that you use to navigate to somewhere? It sounds like a fish and chip shop that becomes <laughs> a um, nightclub at 11. Don't pretend you would not go to a fish and chip shop. Oh, like... I'd be, if, that was, if that was a thing, I'd be in New Catch Republic every Saturday night. Uh, that would Even I'd be in New Catch Republic. Um, so, so it's going to, it is one of those shows, Elimination Chamber, where we just have to get through it. We're still no closer in knowing what's happening with Seth Rollins and his world title. But now we know this Elimination Chamber men's match is for the world title at WrestleMania. He's, he's going to be doing some sort of double duty as Seth. And they keep building up Sami Zayn as well. Everything's still screaming triple threat to me, Charlie, about this. I don't know how, but it is. Yeah, I agree. I think we get Drew winning um, winning the Chamber. And I don't know how we get Sami inserted in it. I don't know how we get to a triple threat, but I think we do. And I think Drew wins it at Mania. I think... I think somehow Sammy looks like he's got it won and Sammy deserves to win. And Drew somehow does. And then I think we build to later in the year, Sammy Zayn winning the world title either at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or one of these other big shows or if they have a show in Canada. I don't know if they do next year. But I definitely think we are, we're doing the underdog story from NXT. And when it's done well, it's an excellent story for Sammy Zayn. I completely agree. Let's do some AEW, because we haven't done that in a little while, because WWE's just been everything. Um, They do have a pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. They take over the Greensboro Coliseum Historic Building for Revolution, traditionally one of AEW's biggest pay-per-views, and this is all built around Sting's last match. Main selling point, Sting is ending his three-decade-year-long career, tagging with Darby Allin. He's a tag team champion in AEW now against the Young Bucks who've gone heel and it's amazing that at this stage in Sting's career that the whole show is being built basically around him. 
yeah, it's incredible. And Sting is one of the defining uh, wrestlers and characters of, well, the last thirty years, this generation of wrestling. You think about what the wrestling industry was like when Sting started and what it is now. The change he's seen throughout his career is is extraordinary. I think it's a real shame that at this point, uh, what should be such a huge historic moment, I'm so happy he's getting this, that WWE is just so much hotter than AEW. Like, we really should be more excited about this show, well, than I am. I AEW, I won't like the moment, it's passing me by a little bit. I'm seeing bits here and there, but the whole thing is just passing me by a little bit. And I don't really know, thing on where the issue is, I think part of it is how well, part of it is our WWE fan performing AEW fan. Like, I will always, always look at WWE first. That is just the way my wrestling fandom works. I would say the other part of it is WWE is some of the best it's been for a long time. And I just think... I just don't always think AEW presents... They have some of my favourite wrestlers. I don't think they present them in the best way. I know we're going to get onto how flat Adam Cole feels right now, for example. Like, there was a huge... I know he's not wrestling at the moment, but there was a huge storyline development just before New Year with Adam Cole being the devil. And then, unless I've missed it, they haven't really built on that since, and we're almost two months later. So I just think tonight they don't make it accessible enough for me to watch my favourite wrestlers on AEW television. I think that is probably the biggest issue I have with it. I completely agree. And it, it is the Undisputed Kingdom stuff is is so cold. Like, I had to go back and Google, is it the Undisputed Kingdom? What are we calling Adam Cole's new group? And I had to go and check that. And I always feel if... And I think we'd have been checking. It's called the Bloodline. What's it called? Like the Blood Group, something like. And I just, and and none of this is a knock on AEW, but I look at their Twitter feed sometimes, and it's just like, here's another dream match. This person's coming across, and they're fighting Brian Danielson. It's the first time ever. And I'm as educated as wrestling fans come, I think, to a moderate degree. And I often don't know. I don't know who these people are, and I think that's a problem. If if your hardcore fans don't know or are indifferent. Your casual fans don't have a chance, and that's why I think they're in a little bit of bother. Yeah, I agree. Now, I've no no doubt that Revolution will be a great show. Like, at no point have done have not WWE have AEW ever been putting on bad shows for these big pay per views. Like, you want to go and watch good wrestling. AEW will always always deliver. I fully believe that. You want to go and watch four hours of some brilliant wrestling. You'll always get it there, and. I am sure Revolution will be excellent and it deserves to be for Sting's last match. And he I, he deserves this uh, send-off because it was worrying and it was a shame when we thought the way his career would end was how it ended in 2015 WWE with the injury. So I'm so, so pleased he is getting this farewell. Not many people get to go out of any sport on their own terms. The fact that a legend like Sting is getting to is brilliant. Absolutely. Well, look, it's a slightly shorter podcast this week because uh, me and Charlie both have other things going on that we have to squeeze this one in. So we're going to get straight to earning the push and back to developmental. What have you got for me this week, sir? Uh, earning the push is your very own Stargaze FC with their first away win last weekend. Jack, what, what colour do you play in? Uh, we play in sort of black, purple and blue is what we play in. Right, hang on. Jack Murley's black, purple and blue army. Dip. Jack, you're like a bruise. You're the colour of a bruise. You is what you are. That is what you are. A black eye. Jack Murley's black eye. Are we? Was it 9 2 or 9 3? It was 9 2 against a very good Cardiff Dragons team. Who... So, an excellent Stargazy team this weekend. We did well. We did well. Bless you. Yeah, it was good fun. And I, t- I did uh, took your advice. Mint Imperials for the car. Good sweets. Got me all set. They, they were. That wasn't my advice. I want to go on record, but I didn't say. 
have mint imperials in the car. I remember it very differently. I, st- I remember you saying, Jack, find the oldest old man sweets you can get and just fuel yourself on them. Right, okay, so that's where I'm the push. Yep. Bad developmental, I'm going back to one of my favourite topics, I'm going back to services. Um, the potholes at Tib Shelf Services are horrendous. They are just all... This is a public service announcement to anyone going there. Be careful. Um, I also... Potholes are horribly dangerous anyway, and there's just a lot of them there, and I was weaving around Tib Shelf Services yesterday trying to avoid them all. Where is Tib Shelf? Is this a real place? Yes, it is. It is uh, South Yorkshire on the M1. It's just above Nottingham and below Sheffield. So I think it's still Yorkshire. I'm not sure. I'm discovering new parts of the country as I join another rugby club and do more driving. Tip, so yes, please. Shelf. Great services. Really good services. Like the services themselves, excellent. And they have a drive-through coffee that I get on the way back, which is great. Is that after you get the car? But you do take your car's wheels into. You take their life into their own hands when you go when you go in there. I. This shows how in sync we are. My earning the push this week is a good service station because I stopped. Hey. So I stopped at a few on the way up to Cardiff. And for me, a good service station needs to have one of three things. Fannies have all these three things. It needs to have a good coffee shop. It needs to have a fast food outlet where I can buy burgers. Some sense of yes, definitely. And it needs good toilets. If you have any of these three uh, things, yeah, I'm it's happy. It's all. I always like. I won't lie. Most have a WH Smith. If they've got an M&S food, then you're flying. Oh, I used to, when I was doing commentaries up and down the roads, vegetable samosas from M&S or Waitrose sometimes. Nice Waitrose. A little Waitrose, they call them, don't they? Just oh, Waitrose. Just because I could spend all my salary in those little Waitroses. They're just, they're like kryptonite. With the price of little Waitrose, it yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't have to buy too many things. Would take nothing. So I'm going to do that. And then my back to developmental and take this in the spirit in which it's intended, Welsh people, is the Welsh language on road signs... Oh, God, you're you're a braver man than me here. No, because I, as a Cornishman, I am all for it. I would love to see more Cornish on our road signs. But you've got to have both. You've got to have English and Welsh because there were a number of roadworks on the way through Wales and they had the neon signs. And God love the Welsh language. It's a beautiful thing. But as an Englishman coming in or a Cornishman coming in, I should say, I didn't have a clue what these road signs were saying. I didn't know if I had to go off the road. I didn't know if I had to stay on the road. I didn't know what was going on. So... Welsh people, if only to help us, uh, your fellow Celts, your fellow Cornish people who may occasionally cross the bridge, just a little bit more accessibility in your road signs, please. And please don't hate me for saying it. I'm going to decline to comment on all of this because I'll end up offending Welsh and Cornish people. I don't want to do that. I am not intending to offend anyone. I say it with love. Help. It would just be a classic Charlie Becker thing to somehow offend everyone. So I'm going to decline to comment on this one. Help my poor little brain. That's all I'm saying, Welsh people. Um, right, final question. What are we talking about coming out of Elimination Chamber, Charlie? Um, I think this how electric Becky and Rhea feel at the end of the show. I think you close the show with the women's chamber. I think you finish the whole thing with a stare down between Becky and Rhea. And I think we're talking about how the bloodline lay out Seth and Cody in a pool of their own blood. That's what I... I you, you, go on, sorry, we did last week because I saw there was a video on socials this week of the of Roman talking about how pleased he is he doesn't have to go to Australia. And that just means he's going. I think some form of the bloodline lay them out. That's, I, I could be wrong, but I think that that's the next logical stage to really set up the tag match. We shall see. Uh, look, it's going to be a b- good one. Remember, 10 a.m. for us UK listeners uh, for the Elimination Chamber this weekend. So enjoy that. We'll talk about it all next week. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Merley. We are out of time. Enjoy the Chamber. See you next week. And bye-bye. Bye-bye.